G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Realfaith.org.au I didn't ever see uh, the full gospel like from Genesis to Revelation in art form. So I thought that's something that really needs to be done one day. And so there's a couple of reasons why I wanted to develop this. And one of the reasons is to create a tool that Indigenous Christians could use to be able to go and reach out to non-Indigenous people. Welcome to Real Faith, conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through, helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's real people, real life and real faith with Eric Scadabo. Roger Latham has been a cross-cultural worker with Indigenous people in the Northern Territory since the late 90s, along with his wife Vivian. While there, he came up with an excellent idea, a collaborative work with Indigenous and non-Indigenous painters depicting the entire redemptive story of the Bible, all in contemporary Indigenous art form, with the purpose of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to Australia and beyond. Today, we're going to find out the remarkable story of that collaborative work with Roger Latham, as well as a good friend of mine, Sandy Ward, who plays a part in the story as well. Welcome to the program, Roger Latham. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for having us. Glad to have you with us, and welcome back to the program, Sandy Ward. Thank you, Eric. It's really good to be back. Long-time listeners will remember that you introduced us to your friend Bud, who had all those near-death experiences. That's right. That's right. And I've known you for several years. My wife and I even went to one of your art openings. So we know you as an arty person, and when we <laughs> heard that you were involved in this artistic project of sharing the gospel, I thought... That's right up Sonny's alley. She can really sink her teeth into that. Absolutely, I did. <laughs> teeth and all. <laughs> mm. I kind of combined metaphors there, uh, right up your alley and sink your teeth in there. But, but you get the idea. I did. <laughs> so are you, you were excited when you heard about this? More than excited. I thought, uh, this is my next adventure. And I've been on it ever since. Okay, well, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. You're a big part of this story. But first, we want to go back to the very beginning and find out Roger's story and how he even came up with this idea in the first place. Roger, where did it all begin for you? Oh, well, I was born in Sydney, but grew up out in the desert near Broken Hill. Okay. First went to school in a little uh, river town, Menindi. And um, yeah, I went to high school at Broken Hill. And then I came actually down to Melbourne, did uh, college, did uh, youth work down here. And um, so, yeah, it was a long time ago. And um, I went from um, Melbourne here, actually. I was about probably 20, 21 years old. I finished my, my course, went over to Tasmania, had a girlfriend down there, chased her down there. Mm. And um, I got in a band down there and got into playing professional music for... So you were always kind of creative, is that right? Well, I guess so, yeah. Yeah, I love music. I started playing yeah. music when I was eight years old on mm -hmm. a ukulele. So. Oh, wow, ukulele. <laughs> yeah. 
So, yeah, I got into music, but along with that, I got into drugs and alcohol and partying. Uh, actually, when I was living in Melbourne, I got quite depressed with society mm. and just the way the world was going. I uh, lived in St Kilda back in those days. It was pretty rough. Um, mm. I went and did youth work uh, thinking I could change the world, but found out that I couldn't mm. and I uh, got quite depressed and that's why I thought well uh, if I can't change the world eat drink and be merry and party on so that's what my life became for several years and then um, eventually I somehow or other I ended up in the Northern Territory and somebody now uh, wait a second how does somebody just end up in the Northern I Territory chased, <laughs> I chased another girl up there. oh okay let's get the full story here <laughs> so yeah, it was, I had a girlfriend that moved up there and then I followed her up there and I got a job doing youth work for a while, but uh, I was... Um, it sounds I mean, like you always wanted to help people. Yeah, I love people. I really mm-hmm. do yeah. love people. And and that was even before I was a Christian. I yeah. used to always feel sorry for people who are downtrodden or mm-hmm. not treated rightly, you know. And so mm-hmm. I was uh, yeah, just one of those sort of people. <laughs> anyway, so I got up there. Anyway... Uh, it's a long story, I'll cut it down, is that I end up reading the Bible. And because I started reading the Bible, I started talking to God, saying, oh, if you're really real, you know, surely you can reveal yourself to me. So I started asking him questions. He started answering my questions in all kinds of ways. So then I said, well, okay, you can come into my heart. Still no one had talked to me about Jesus. This was all on your own? All on my own. Just you and God's Word? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Anyway, this went on for three months. Uh, a few of my friends and the girlfriend thought I was crazy. And so actually we split up. I left. I went back down to Broken Hill where my parents were living. Mm-hmm. And then because I had been asking the Lord into my heart for around about three months and nothing had happened, I thought, well, I'll get on my knees. And uh, I sort of got on my knees and held my finger up God's nose and I said, I'm not moving from here until you come into my heart properly. And then uh, that's when I had this encounter with the Lord. It was just like this incredible light and love just wow. flooded, flooded my soul. I felt as light as a feather, started crying and laughing, didn't know what to do with myself. It was just the encounter with Jesus. And then uh, the next day I walked into the house and my father said, what uh, happened to you? Because I, I looked different. Wow. And uh, anyway, I said, I met Jesus last night. Anyway, he said, well, I want to meet him too. So that was the start of my evangelism. <laughs> wow. Your father came to the Lord yeah, as well? he did, yeah. And um, so for six weeks, I read the Bible nonstop. I was so hungry for the Word of God until my eyes were actually going watery. I could hardly read because I was just so thirsty for the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And then um, I thought, Okay, I can't read anymore because my eyes were getting weary, so I'll go and preach the gospel. I thought the best place to start would be Tasmania, where I was playing in this band before. And so I went down to Tasmania, and uh, basically revival broke out there. And there was uh, like a couple of hundred alternate lifestyle people that come to the Lord, and that's where I met my wife, Vivian. So um, within three months, uh, she was my first real convert, actually. Oh, so, okay. And I'm still following her up. So <laughs> <laughs> after 37 That's years now, I've been <laughs> and uh, yeah, we've had a great journey. We've got three young couples in our family now, and seven grandchildren. So we've been very blessed. Fantastic. So the two of us together started reaching out to all our all the friends and people around there. And so we had some amazing years in Tasmania mm-hmm. and uh, learned about church and stuff. We've, we finally uh, got along to church and things like that. And 
Uh, we pastored a small church in Tasmania for a while and then uh, mum and dad were getting on so we moved, uh, like getting older and so we moved back to Broken Hill to help them out uh, with a business that they were uh, starting off and while I was up there I started doing a lot of outreach in the remote areas as well so that was probably when I first started doing uh, outreach to Indigenous people and so I uh, was there for a few years and raised our family and then around in the, the late 90s um, we uh, felt to gather the family up, sell up and get on the road a bit like Abraham and wow. uh, felt the Lord will lead us to where he wants us to really be planted mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, long story short we ended up uh, in Darwin and my first uh, assignment was then to reach out to all the long grass people around the Darwin area. The long grass people? Yes. That's the we, actual name. It's the name of the people. And it was funny because when my wife uh, actually went to work, uh, there was people at the hospital, uh, people that come to the hospital, their address was the long grass, which <laughs> basically it's like your street people. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah, just homeless people. So I had lots of... Um, uh, fun, really. It was, I just so enjoyed it getting around to all the little camps and, uh, places where people were camping on the beach or in the parks and places. I was able to take food and, uh, and different things around for them. And then we started meetings. And so, mm-hmm. um, were people receptive? Really open. Indigenous people are very, very soft, are very aware of spiritual things, mm-hmm. and they can tell whether you love them or not from 500 meters away. <laughs> Really? Yeah. And they can tell your spiritual temperature if you're wow. a Christian. <laughs> yeah, so I've encountered all kinds of... So don't of be a faker. Don't be a faker. No, exactly. They know if yeah. you sincerely they know love if, them, yes. have their best interests in mind, Yes, and if you're real with your own relationship with yeah, the Lord. that's right. Yeah. Wow. I had one lady come up to me in a community once. Um, this was in a, a different place. And I didn't know her whatsoever. And she came up and she pointed her finger in my face and said, you serve that strong spirit, don't you? Really? <laughs> Meaning the Lord, yeah. Wow. So She uh, was able to perceive that just yeah, from talking to Yeah, just, to just from walking down the road. She didn't know me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, we end up settling in Darwin and uh, the Lord spoke to us about reaching out to indigenous people. And it just uh, happened naturally. And through the church we were there, they helped uh help with that as well and yeah and then being a musician mm-hmm. uh, I, I use my music skills and I love teaching people and I found that indigenous people love music and mm-hmm. so that was a pretty much a no-brainer that I could use music to go and reach out to uh, really remote places. You was know? this your ukulele? No. <laughs> did you advance to another instrument? I did yeah so I've played probably about um, 15 or 20 instruments. I don't, I don't know. I, wow. I, I play a lot of instruments, uh, but I honed it down to guitar, keyboard, bass, and drums because they are the core instruments that uh, kids and young people see mm-hmm. that's real to yeah. them, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, that just snowballed. That uh, became a, a great tool for me to be able to get into places where perhaps Christians haven't been before. I I would deliberately pick on places where other missionaries hadn't been and uh, try and touch some of the unreached places. 
Can I just add that along alongside mm. uh, Rog, Viv is a very well respected nurse, mm. and she works in the clinics in the That's same right. places. Yeah. Wow, so uh, double teaming. Yeah, so and where Rog is reaching yeah. uh, youth and, and men and discipling the men, uh, Viv's reaching the women. Mm. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, we're a great team and we love having people come and stay with us. So our house... I'll make a note of that. Yeah. <laughs> we. Um, you will want to go and stay. Okay. You should okay. see what I'm up we'll to. We'll talk later, now. okay. <laughs> so... We actually developed a property across the harbour from Darwin, a place called Wagai Beach, and that home became like a mission base for YWAMers, um, church, mm-hmm. short-term mission teams uh, from churches, school groups, uh, and we love hosting groups. We we uh, double booked a couple of times. We had up to 50 people <laughs> stay at our home. <laughs> I think that's more than double booked. <laughs> I think it was actually, it was double booked, uh, probably triple booked. But anyway, wow. I've been known to mix up uh, my figures at, from time to time, but. Um, but it's just been such a joy serving the Lord in this area. And one of the big things is like music mm-hmm. and art. Yeah. And uh, so I did come across Christian art that was like in tracks or different forms. There, there's been... Um, like the four spiritual laws from yeah. Bill Bright and Campus Crusade for Christ. Yeah, they had that little track. Yes. And so there's a number of uh, resources, but I didn't ever see a full uh, the full gospel like from Genesis to Revelation in art form mm-hmm. so yeah. I thought that's something that really needs to be done one day and so I think that the um, the idea uh, was in that late 90s that when I first got the idea that we need to put the gospel in an art form that's so simple that it only would take a few minutes to share if people are passing by so there's a couple of reasons why I wanted to develop this, and one of the reasons is to create a tool that Indigenous Christians could use to be able to go and reach out to non-Indigenous people. Our guests today are Roger Latham and Sandy Ward, and as we've been hearing, Roger has been working with Indigenous people in the Northern Territory for many years, and then he came up with a brilliant idea to depict the entire redemptive story of the Bible, all in contemporary Indigenous art form, in 16 paintings. When we return, we'll find out how he's using this as a tool to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. All that and more when we return right here on Real Faith. Looking for resources to grow your faith? Check out Vision Christian Store with books, movies, audio CDs, DVD resources and more. Plus, free delivery on orders over $50. See visionstore.org.au You're listening to Real Faith. Conversations with real people about how God works in their lives. If you want to know more about integrating faith into your life, our website is realfaith.org.au. Just go to the website and you'll find helpful articles about the impact faith can have on your life. Once again, that's realfaith.org.au.
Welcome back. I'm Eric Scadabo, and our guests today are Roger Latham and Sandy Ward. And as we heard before the break, Roger has been working with indigenous people in the Northern Territory for several years. And then he came up with a brilliant idea to share the entire redemptive story of the Bible, all in contemporary indigenous art form, in 16 paintings. Next, we're going to find out more about the story of this collaborative work. Yes, I had the idea, and the other side of it, of the actual um, uh, project and the story and the script, is to deal with the issue of people that want to really follow Jesus and just follow Jesus. So it is a struggle for Indigenous Christians coming from strong cultural background to Christianity. Mm. And so I try uh, as simply as I can to explain just the basic gospel story so it's clear. Okay, because correct me if I'm wrong, one of the challenges is syncretism. That's right. Where Jesus is just kind of added on to another worldview. Correct. So he's part of the story, but he's not the story, the central figure. Yes. Mm -hmm. So this was one way of combating the trap of syncretism. That's correct, yeah. And uh, so I, after putting the script together, I took it to as many elders, uh, Christian elders, that I could uh, find up in my area up there and run it past them and see what their thoughts were. And they loved the idea of it. So that gave me the green light to go ahead. And because of our short-term uh, missions, we had different people come and I got some to do me some sketches of what I wanted to get done and then along came Sandy and oh, her yes. team. Sandy, how do you enter <laughs> yeah. into the picture? Well, Roger met my pastor who loved his heart and said, yes, we'll send teams. And I and my friend Julie led the first two teams from our church. Mm-hmm. I went to a place called Wadia, or used to be known as Port Keats. as very remote. And she went to a place called Woolening. And the two teams went at the same time. And we did some work with the kids and so on. But Roger found out that I could paint. And so every now and again, he'd say, hey, Sondi, I'm having an outreach in a few weeks' time. Could you paint me a picture of whatever he wanted you see and often we'd be running out of time and I used to do paintings for Julie because she used to be involved in kids church and she'd want you know things done in a hurry often so I used to rope her into paint even though she thought she wasn't a painter uh, she learnt to paint by default so <laughs> so I'd mix up a colour and say here that's see that section there could you fill that in you know yeah. and and so we used to painting together so when Rog came and said would you girls be interested in coordinating a project if I send Indigenous painters down? And he described the project, and it seemed uh, we knew that it would be a big job, but we just saw it as another bunch of paintings for Roger. So we thought, sure, why not? <laughs> so so, so um, we fundraised as a church and got uh, the canvas and paints and mm-hmm. so on. We we had a more or less like a guideline of what each painting should be, but some of those changed along the way. And one of the things that convinced us was that on the way to sharing with us about this project, Roger had visited a supporting church in Adelaide mm-hmm. and one of the women there had a vision of a white cockatoo and a crow, which never fly together, uh, flying towards one another, joining up, forming a pelican, and out of this pelican's mouth came fish to feed the people. And Roger had the sense that this was 
to do with this project because it was a very interesting mental image there. Yeah, but indigenous and non-indigenous coming together, mm-hmm. and something from that would nourish the people. It would be food for them. Mm. So we adopted that vision as a confirmation, if you like, yeah. about that this project was important to God. And in the end, it took. 17 painters, three years to paint the 17 paintings. And it wasn't, this is my painting, this is your painting. We'd just turn up whenever the allocated time was. It changed occasionally depending on what different people's work schedules were. Mm -hmm. But we'd turn up, we'd pray, we'd ask who's got any ideas, has the Holy Spirit been talking to anyone about what needs to happen with this painting? Uh, Does anyone feel competent to have a go at that section? And if what we painted wasn't gelling with the mm. three coordinators, we had two non-Indigenous and one Indigenous coordinators. Mm. Yep. If we weren't in unity about what had been painted, it would get painted over mm. until we were all happy with mm. the result. Let me just back up. So, Roger, you wrote the basic story, the redemptive story the of the Bible. Script, yeah. yeah. And so you had an idea of what should be in each painting. Is that right? Yeah, so they had a good idea of what to go by, and along with that, I drew the little sketches and the symbols, uh, which are sort of superimposed over the the main paintings, and those symbols tell the story. So we've got three things. Everything happened with threes with this. Um, kind of a trend there. <laughs> sort of, yeah. yeah. So we had three coordinators. The three primary colours represented God throughout the entire mm-hmm. work. We had pictorial symbolic and text so those three three ways of telling the story mm-hmm. uh, one with pictures one with words and one with something that's halfway between pictures and words yes, if you like yes. the symbols mm-hmm. and some of those symbols had been used with indigenous paintings before uh, but we had to actually create new ones to be able to tell the story yeah. right the way through okay well we will get into the nuts and bolts of the story but let's just kind of fast forward what kind of reception were you getting when you told people about this and were you able to like show the first painting or I'm just curious what people thought of this? Uh, well, one of the most profound uh, places was out in Arnhem Land a few years ago or when we completed it, got the first banner. I, I got the first banner, had the privilege of having the first one and I put it up out at a uh, MAF, uh, the MAF guys pulled together. Missionary Aviation Fellowship. Yes, yep. So I... I been out there in Arnhem Land and worked with the guys there for a couple of years doing a bit of outreach and stuff. So one of the meetings that they pulled together or hosted was to get everybody together and just talk about how we can just really go one way for Jesus, what's that mean, mm-hmm. what's it look like. And, and so it was a great time of coming together. Anyway, I, I had the privilege of sharing the God's Dreaming story and mm-hmm. And we had the banner on the fence down underneath the building that we are in. And so when they went down for a break, all the uh, Indigenous leaders and pastors from around Arnhem Land went down, they had a look at that. And then one of the comments was, now we get it. Because they could see the whole picture, the whole wow. story, yeah, how they could together. see from the time of Noah, they could see where... All the people went and found their lands and and uh, mm-hmm. God scattered the nations or created the nations. Mm-hmm. So um, when they saw that, that was very powerful uh, because they, they've they learned so many things about the gospel and Old and New Testament. Yeah, yeah. But when they saw it all in context, it was like, ah, 
It was like the penny dropped. Yeah, so in one very, big very story. powerful, yeah. very powerful. And the other thing is, like we know that um, you know, secular science has said you know the indigenous people are really old, really old people, and uh, you know, forty, fifty, or more years, a thousand years old, and that we come from monkeys. So this mm. one picture says that we all come from the one family, from the one great, 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 great granddaddy. Adam and Eve, yeah. Yeah, well, well Noah. Noah in this case. All yeah. right, yep, yep. Yeah, like we don't even have to go before the flood. Mm. Yeah. And so, like, so encouraging for them as leaders and as a people to see that we aren't any different. God loves us all, you know. Right. So God, through the Holy Spirit, put this idea in your heart, and you're already seeing how yes Right from the yes, very start, this really. was a tool yeah. to reach Indigenous people yes. and beyond. And a number of those leaders that were in that group, they would like to be resourced and uh, equipped to be able to travel throughout Australia mm-hmm. with our 21-metre banner of the beautiful paintings and uh, be able to go and hand out tracks and tell the story to whoever comes and has a look at her. Yeah. I'd like to add that originally the idea was that the paintings themselves would travel from community to community. Mm-hmm. But because it took us three years to paint them. What are you, a slow painter? <laughs> <laughs> we said, not on your Nelly. These are going oh, yeah, to. too much work. Somebody messed These are it going up. to get wrecked. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. I've been up there, so I know what the dust and the damp mm, and the yeah. getting knocked around in travel is like. We were, I mean, all sorts of wild ideas were going through our heads like, should we build a purpose built trailer? Like, mm, yeah. But then we thought, why don't we actually print them onto a, a weatherproof material? And that's how the banner came about. Oh, because okay. we thought... Well, Very practical. Well, we, we wanted to explore all different ways. I mean, originally we thought maybe we'll print them really large and laminate them and use a flip chart kind of idea. But mm. the banner seemed to work because it was weatherproof, waterproof. Mm, yeah. and, and if it got grubby, you just hosed it down and rolled it up and moved on. Hosing down your beautiful artwork. <laughs> I bet you never thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> so Very practical. Often when we lay it on the ground, you know, little kids will run across it and people that will say, matter. people will yeah. say, you know, oh, aren't you worried about people, you know, running across the banner? We said, no, it's pretty tough. And besides, this is kind of prophetic. You know, the kids are actually standing on the word of God. So, <laughs> so. yes, uh, brings whole new meaning to the term. Standing on the word of God. That's exactly right. So we, we, we think it's okay. Well, unfortunately, we've run out of time for this first conversation with the two of you. Can we have you come back again to share more of the story of this collaborative work? We'd love to. Yeah, sure, brother. I look forward to it. Okay, our guests today have been Roger Latham and Sandy Ward. They're talking about this special collaborative work with Indigenous and non-Indigenous painters depicting the entire redemptive story of the Bible. It's called God's Dreaming. To learn more about it, you can go to their website, godsdreaming.org. That's godsdreaming.org. We'll find out more about the actual story next time. You've been listening to Real Faith. And if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a message through our website, realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.